This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor, and what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show, so you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So for instance, we can have polls, we can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, that's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, and if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Adult and Well podcast. I am your co-host Joshua and I am joined as always by Kevin. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing well. Two days in a row here, Joshua, and i um, very excited about our guest tonight who I've known for a very long time. Um, Terry Samundra is a writer and director and um, currently has a film out on Netflix, which is a Netflix original, Go Terry, call, called Kali Kuhi. Um, I watched it last night and I can say it is amazing. Um she grew up in a, between a rural village in India and a small farming town in Missouri, and then was also on the West Coast here in California, which is where I met her. Um, she's done uh, a bunch of other short films, uh, Kunjo, Ice Cream Walla, and The Short Tale of, of is it Zwan? Zwan? Okay. Um, and she's had a lot of critical acclaim, and this Netflix original really to me is like sort of like an acknowledgement of how talented you really are. So I just want to say welcome to the program. And it is so good to see your face. I am so glad to have you on. I miss my friends a lot right now. So yeah. So, it's so sweet, Kevin. That's like way too much uh, kind words for, I mean, we just have such a, we just have so much history. We do. We do. Where did you guys meet? Santa Rosa. But where, like what, what the exact moment, what was it? I don't, I can't remember the exact moment. Terry, um, was her former partner is one of my oldest and dearest friends. And so Terry was part of the, like the young punk community. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's always been an activist and, um, gets that from her parents and, uh, her and my my pal that she was with at the time were helping to raise her younger sister. Um, and they had a child together as well, but we were just all super tight. We lived in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We went, all, went to all the same shows and the same bars and the same. When you say Activision shows. though, and you got that from your parents, like, what does that mean? Yeah, were they, think, let's let's, were they let's like? let Terry tell a little bit of her early life. Cause it's really interesting. I mean, I guess activists like, you know, um, my parents, I mean, we were, they were kind of hippies, but more they were like just radical activists, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, 
my dad uh, grew up on a farm in Missouri. You know, he didn't live in a, a town or anything. Like, he lived far from town on a, on a farm. And um, he just was, I don't know, he's a really curious person. And um, he uh, took off and went to India. Um, at that time, there were not a lot of opportunities to do things. So he joined the Peace Corps, and he went to go live in rural Punjab, to work with local farmers and like learned a lot. And they, you know, he was part of this, um, I've gone back many times to where he lived and he was part of this cooperative because there's a lot of labor cooperatives in India. Actually right now there's the largest 250 million people are striking in India. It's the largest labor strike that's ever happened in the history of time. Yeah, it's massive. And so anyways, my dad went to India and it was there that he met my mom and, um, and they had a, you know, it was a scandalous romance because my mom was expected to, you know, have an arranged marriage. And my mom just was super rebellious from a very young age. And um, then when my dad came back to the U.S., like his visa was up, you know, um, at some point my mom got on a plane and left. And like, she'd never been on an airplane. <laughs> There's so many things she'd never done. But, you know, she's just like, you know, they were both just very curious people. Yeah. And um, so then my mom came to the U.S. And, you know, she was expecting to go to, like, L.A. or New York or San Francisco. <laughs> but instead she <laughs> ended up on this farm, which was, you know, interesting because my mom also comes from a rural community. So I think in many ways, although they had, you know, they're from, like, other parts of the world, they actually had a lot in common. And... um you know, I guess when you talk about activism, I think it's more like the personal is political, like the way I grew up, like, you know, before like the term DIY, you know, we just grew up like my dad taught me how to, you know, we never went to the mechanic because he grew up on a farm. We, I learned how to fix an engine, change my oh, own wow. oil, change my own tires. Like we grew our own food. We made our own furniture, all that kind of stuff. So I think just those and then, of course, they were super politically active and took me to marches. And my dad was a Marxist and stuff. So, you know, it was just kind of, I guess, part of. And that was, a, you know, you didn't separate your kids from your life. So, you know, I grew up like people would come to our house. And I remember just like these debates and conversations. Oh, wow. And, you know, you just fall asleep and there's like all these weird uh, activists in your house. Or, That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have that in my house. Kevin, did you have that in your house? I had a lot of loud talk in my house. I'm not positive that it was activism. My dad was always very, like, had, was very sort of like had his things he believed in. And, you know, sure. I think my biggest, you know, if I'm going to honor my father, who we all know passed away in July, I think the thing that thrilled me the most about my dad is when he retired as he was a volunteer at Catholic Charities. And he used to do yeah. the check-ins for people that were undocumented and really frightened. Um, to come get services. And he, his last Facebook photo had a black lives matter ring around it. So uh, whatever happened between my youth and, and, and my adulthood, uh, my dad, I mean, he was always liberal, but he was really like no bullshit by the time he died. Whoa. So, um, but th- some of the places that Terry and I hung out and talking about the activism was, you know, going to marches against the the U.S. invasions of, of a few different countries over the years, uh, including Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, we also, you know, she was very involved in the political punk community and brought sort of that, like, peace and justice part of it to us in many ways. And one of the things, one of my fondest memories, Terry, uh, about you and, and your mom and Joe and scenery at that time was we would go to Gilman street. They introduced me to Indian street food. I'd never had it before. And there's like a, a street food place that's grown a lot since then called Vic chat in, in, in that part of Berkeley that's it's on sixth street. It's not far from Gilman street. It's right off university. And I had never had food like that before. And like they knew I was vegan and they pointed to me all the vegan dishes. And it was just really like a truly amazing experience because it was like my introduction to, you know, that specific type of Indian food, which is really, was really unique in, in the United States at that time. So, um, that's so interesting. I had like, you know, it's so interesting how we affect other people's lives and don't even know it. Cause I honestly, at that time, I just felt like a wallflower, you know, uh-huh. 
like I was so much more of an observer and kind of doing my own thing in a corner. Like I was doing a lot of writing and stuff, but I kept that stuff yeah. to myself. So I never really, I guess it's just interesting to hear your perspective and that. I mean, I remember going to see your band and um, I mean, I was obviously into nuisance and I was into East Bay punk and stuff like yeah. that. So I was, that was before I knew you guys yep. like as friends um, and then at some point, I, cl- I clearly remember the day that I became a vegan. I think like I went to Baskin Robbins and they're like, we're going to have our last hurrah. So there was like, you know, these points that totally. that were markers. Um, but you guys were definitely like, I don't know, not the older kids. but A little bit, a little bit older. Isn't much. that fascinating though, how you don't know your impact? Like that's really that lesson in life has really taught me to kind of be on my best behavior all the time because you never know, (laughs) you never know who you're helping, right? Like you never know who you're inspiring. You just have no idea until sometimes years later or something. So yeah, I'd love that. Well, and I also think that at that time, you know, between you and Leela and Davina, and there were a few other women that were around that were, informing my decisions around how I treated women as well, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't get the opportunity growing up as men in the U S especially to really be informed around that. Unless there's like either you, something piques your interest and you understand that you need to change those behaviors or you have really powerful like women around you or, you know, a strong influence growing up. And I think, you know, coming from like a really middle-class family with a kind of a strong Catholic, you know, leaning, you know, I didn't necessarily really get that at home. My mom's awesome and amazing and a total badass um, in her own right. But, you know, having the, all of you around us at that point, especially because a few of you got pregnant really young as well. um, It really was like, Oh my gosh, these, like, this is amazing. Like we really got a, a lesson in sort of like feminism really at a young age. And so you maybe thought of yourself as a wallflower. I always thought of you as like inspired and like really thoughtful. So, you know, and I think when, when we look at the films that you've made, especially the most recent one, which I want to get into a little bit later, I mean, maybe talk a little bit about how that DIY ethic and the punk community influenced how you make film, because it's a bit different than sort of your traditional you got all the benefits of, you know, growing up in Hollywood and, you know, I mean, you're, you're truly like a DIY filmmaker in, in, in many ways. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to, you know, find my way to filmmaking. Um, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, I just want to go back one step. It's interesting what you were saying about your father. Cause even though, you know, even though I grew up in this progressive household, we were still dealing with a lot of gender things, you know, and then when my parents split up, there was like, my mom was a single mom. So like my relationship with my father became tumultuous. And I think it's just, it speaks to the fact that people are complex, you know, and he also was a young man who didn't, you know, didn't grow up with, um, you know, probably like certain tools of how to have conversations about relationships. And my mom the same. So it's like, it doesn't, you know, we're all just so complex and we're always learning. And, um, and anyways, I wanted to, you know, condolences about your dad too. I remember your mom and dad so clearly. Um, but, uh, as far as like the DIY stuff, I mean, I'll be very honest. I'm actually constantly. And I think, uh, Larry Livermore, um, talks about this in his book. I'm actually, finding myself as a grown up constantly battling what my comfort is, which is DIY being poor, knowing how to like live very scrappy. And I'm learning and trying my best to undo some of the things that I've learned so that I can, so that, you know, I can be in a position where I can then like, hire others and I can Mm -hmm. build things for others because that kind of income equality and equity is so important to actually creating um, real systemic change. Because, you know, even like I've witnessed like my mom who is like a published and celebrated author, but because she didn't have the tools about how to do contracts and how to do business and how to deal with money. I grew up with no money skills. Like I have, 
no clue about money and finances. I mean, if I could, I'd go back and take a business, a couple of business classes while I was doing film school, you know, but like forever I was taught that like all that stuff was bad. So I have to like shift all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So in a way, like the DIY stuff is awesome. And I'm so grateful for that. Like I know how to pick up a camera and just like throw stuff in the storage and be like, we're all going on a trip and making a movie as a family. <laughs> but then also, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not a hobby. It's a career. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, now really trying to sh- I am working on shifting that and shifting that to make it sustainable. Did that answer to not answer your question? <laughs> I mean, no, it did actually. I think like the idea of evolution is the most punk ideal of all, you know what I mean? Like I really believe that if you're not constantly evolving and sort of adjusting to your circumstances and seeing how your experience can benefit the people around you, um, especially when you start to have a little bit of means to help, people, right? I mean, that's like the deal. If you're not helping your community with the gifts that you've been given and the things you've learned, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know. it's, it's interesting too, because in Larry's book, he also talks about people being retro and going, well, I got to use, I have to use duct tape and cassette tapes and all this shit to make my art because that's what they did in like the late eighties. And he's going, that's cause that was the like latest tech in the late eighties. You know, it wasn't about being scrappy for Scrappy's sake, so much as making good use of what you have, right? And if you have more opportunities, then you can make good use of those as well. Yeah, I, I think that leads me to, an, like, I mean, maybe an obvious question. So talk a little bit about your evolution from, like, independent, by-yourself filmmaker, or maybe you and Walter making films, the two of you, to kind of how this evolved. Because it's, it's really interesting now, I mean like I said at the beginning, I love the movie. So, you know, there's that. And I'm, I'm like a a big horror fan. So it was just like, it it touched me on so many levels. Like, but talk a little bit about your evolution, you know, just kind of how you got to where you are. Cause it's a, it's a pretty amazing story too. Um, well, let's see. I mean, I, I just, you know, I went back to school that like a bunch of things happened in my twenties. You know, I did that whole like windy path thing, which I actually think is great as an artist, because then you just have this well to draw from, especially if you've made quote unquote mistakes, because then you just like understand the human experience and you understand you have empathy, you understand character and you've, you've been through, you've been through the tunnel and out the other side a million and one times. Right. So, you know, um, I did a number of things and then at some point I went back um, and went to school and I always knew that I was going to do that. And um, then I decided to go to grad school. And the reason I went to grad school is because I knew that I needed a, I needed time to make my work because at that point, you know, I was a, I was a working mom and, um, and, and I knew that school would allow me that time and that space and also just to be in a community of people that were also working. Um, but I didn't, but I, there was also like a lot of pressure when you're, you know, I was the only parent in my grad program and it was like, I didn't have as much time to <laughs> just kind of meander around. It was like, when I had the time to work, I had the time to work because once I had Kaylee, that was it. Like I was right. also a mom and working. So, um, so I went to grad school and that's when I just got to explore and play and I made a number of shorts and I got to work on a number of shorts. But before that, um, I had just like, I just really wanted to work on film. So I was just doing whatever it was like, Oh, you want me to come and like, I will schlep coffee. I'll be a PA. Like, I just want the opportunity to work on these things. And, you know, I, I did a lot of that. And then I worked on a project. That's how I met Walter. He was the TP on it. That was really fun. That was like a 35 millimeter feature made in San Francisco. And, um, and so we met working on that. And then, um, but then when I was in grad school and then, and then my thesis was actually going to be something different. Um, Cause we were not encouraged to really go, you know, like in a lot of grad programs, I don't want you to travel and go to places, but I just, really wanted to go to, um, I wanted to go back to my village and make another film there. And I had been going back and forth. And at that time, Walter was in Panama working on a project. This, um, there was an indigenous uh, film collective and he went and worked with them. Um, 
and um, and that film went to Sundance that year um, in the uh, Native program, and then um, and then and then we went to India and we made uh, my short film Kunjo. And the way that we made it was, I mean, it was just, it was literally a family affair. So Walter shot it. We, we worked on it together. And then one of our friends came, scenery came, Kaylee came, and it was shot in my ancestral house. My aunt was in it, like my whole family clan in the village. That's so you know, cool. I, <laughs> I asked permission of the, you know, the, um, basically the, the, like the, the mayor of the village or whatever you want to call it. And then, um, and then we worked with a group of um, refugee migrants from Rajasthan. And there were two girls that I had photographed a couple years previous and had met them. And they were just these really cool kids. And, um, but, but the project was larger than just the film. Like we held workshops and we did all this really fun stuff and we cast out of that and, I really asked the kids like they needed to bring themselves to the table. Mm-hmm. So it's all first time actors. And then um, they wrote stories within stories. So like in the short, you see a performance, but the performance is actually longer. Like all the kids made plays for the performance and they performed it for the village. So it was really like an experience bigger than the film. So just for like a short film, you know, we were there for many months um, and then we, we brought cameras too, because I wanted the kids to have the experience of filming because I'm very, I'm very aware of the privilege that I have of being able to go back to my village and be like, I'm going to put this camera in your face. Like I try to be really mindful, like who gets to hold a camera, who gets to tell the stories, you know, and a lot of those kids, they don't, they're never going to have that opportunity. That is the reality there was even, you know, really interesting things going on with the casting, like a lot of, a lot of cast issues, a lot of colorism that we had to filter through. Like one of the actors, she, she was not volunteering to participate and I really wanted her to, but at some point I was like, she doesn't want to participate. And then I remember it was like a week later, she came really early in the morning and knocked on the door and said she had to talk to me. And she was like in tears and she said, I really want to be in the film. And she said, you know, I've never been given opportunities because of colorism, mm-hmm. which is very dark, super gorgeous and beautiful, but that's the reality. And so like, that was just like, she had to like step into that and ask, and I had to recognize that. And there, anyways, all the, there were all these dynamics behind the scenes, like all these cast dynamics behind the scenes. So anyways, that was that short and then um that's amazing though can we pause on that for a second i mean like giving these people opportunities even to like hold the camera to make their own little stories like all these workshops all these things it is so much more than a movie and i think that's kind of i don't know what i'm trying to say that's very special to me you don't hear that very often from filmmakers yeah yeah totally and And it was special for me too like i had gratitude towards them because i didn't want to just go in and be like oh i'm doing this cool thing and then peace out you know uh, yeah, I'm I'm amazed. I had no idea there was such a big story. But I mean, I knew that that everybody went over there because I remember sort of following it loosely and like, oh my gosh, the whole family's in India. That's amazing. But like hearing the rest of it, especially the first time actor stuff. And we we interviewed Crystal Moselle earlier, uh, and she did the same thing for the Skate Kitchen and now Betty. And it's like you don't know how talented and heartfelt people are until you really give them a shot, you know? And I think the fact that you're giving individuals who have never necessarily acted professionally before an opportunity to sort of express themselves in a way that they probably have never done before, like this young woman is like, that's like, for me, that's kind of the beating heart of art there. Um, you know, so to kind of cap on what, uh, put a little cap on what Joshua was saying, like it's touching and, and like a truly like it like kind of gets in there, you know, like, okay, that's art. Like that for real is like, that is art, you know, and cause it's all about community and that's why dictators go after artists first, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it cuts the head off of the proverbial culture, you know? And so, so here we are and yeah. oh my God, what a great story. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, Crystal. So Crystal, you know, she has a curiosity about people. 
She yeah. and she follows her intuition. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan, and um, I think it takes something really. It, it takes like a very special. Like she's a very special director, and that that is like her superpower is just like being curious and like moving into that where I feel like other people are so rigid in the way that, I mean, she just makes her films in such a unique way and her, her now her series. Yeah. Agreed. I can't give her enough praise, you know? <laughs> so in full disclosure, my sister-in-law, so I gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's awesome too. Oh, she <laughs> you're is. a shill, Kevin. You're a shill. I am. I am. Sure. Well, her her art is speaks for itself. It, it's getting a lot of accolades right now, much like Terry. Terry's getting a lot of interviews right now, which is yeah. Totally and when you use unknowns, I feel like that makes me think about the intern system and how like fucked that is, right? Like where the people that kind of get the opportunities are the ones that can afford not to get paid. Um, and and when you're when you're hiring people like that are maybe first time actors, it reminds me of that uh, kind of it, not only the opportunities they get, but even seeing filmmaking, like being exposed that to possibilities uh, that makes it like oh now I want to grow up and do that because I know people do that right like you can grow up, like growing up in the burbs for instance, uh, I didn't see a lot like none of my friends went to Europe. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I didn't think until I met punk rockers like, oh, yeah, you can just go to Europe. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't just go to Europe. And I know that sounds naive, but it's just like a a white suburban example of being exposed to things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, just like, yeah, knowing that you're um, that there's more options. I think just Mm -hmm. understanding that. There's you can you can make a lot of different decisions. Your decisions aren't only two things. Totally. So, um, after that project, what was your next kind of step? So after that project, um, uh, Yamana was born. So then I was like, it's time to have another baby. And, um, just because I like to mix things up and make things chaotic, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm, you know, she's an incredible person. So after that, um, when Yamana was born, we actually, um, wrote our first feature because, you know, she's a baby at home, she's nursing, I wasn't doing very much. So, so we wrote it and we had already been working and writing other things, but we wrote the feature that I was really excited about. We moved to LA and when I moved to LA, I started working at a film festival and programming at film festivals and Walter was working and he started programming. And that was like, you know, a really nice way to know, know people and know community. And um, what does programming mean? Oh, like picking, selecting films for film festivals. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I had been doing that a little bit up in the Bay Area also. Um, Like I did it for Mill Valley and different places. So then, um, and the film had done better than I expected. You know, I had never really done a ton of film festivals before I did with a couple of shorts and had like really good success with those too. But the film, you know, won some awards and kind of just, you know, and it was something that was new for me, but, um, Walter's father passed away and we were like, let's just make this big change and move to LA with two kids, a, a Kaylee and a baby. I mean, we literally just like rolled into Silver Lake with two kids. And I didn't know, like, do people go to LA with kids? But actually the neighborhood that we moved in was really interesting. We moved right next to this great park and we met so many people at the park. Like there were so many working parents who are music. I mean, we've met some of our best friends who are traveling musicians and writers and filmmakers and they're all parents. Like we ended up going to preschool is like this co-op preschool at the park and everybody there is like a parent that's just been doing art for a really long time. How cool. So, yeah. And I mean, it seems counterintuitive because you're like, Oh, Silver Lake, like you don't move there with kids, but it ended up, it ended up working out um, and not to say it didn't have its um, issues, but again, like I said, you know, I grew up, I grew up poor and I knew how to be resourceful. Like, you know, I've grown up, like you don't have money, you know how to go get food stamps. You don't know. I mean, I was literally, I was, you know, I, I, so I, I had a, 
um, a script that went through the Sundance lab. And at the same time, I was still cleaning houses and babysitting. Like you just make it happen. Mm -hmm. You just do what you need to do. Like Walter would be on a shoot one day and then he would take like a construction job another day. Like you just, Mm -hmm. you just do what you need to do. You just trust, like you have to just almost be a little bit like nutty in a, in a good way. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like you're writing a really fine line between like letting go and fully trusting. And it's just, it's like a magic trick that you do to yourself. Right. Because you're holding like, oh, this is stupid and impossible with this is going to all work out. Like this is going to be, this is definitely going to work out. And you have to hold them both in your head at the same time. Exactly. And all the rejections that come and you have to be like, because it wasn't meant to be a new door will open. Like you just have to (laughs) constantly, it's, it's really, it is. It almost feels like it's more about like survival. Like, can you endure long enough to be successful? Yeah. And it's not like you're doing things like, I mean, I, I love what you said, Kevin, about like dictators go after artists first, but you know, you also realize that you're very, privileged and lucky to have decided that you're going to make art your life, you know, and you're going to go towards this path. So you're juggling a bunch of different things, but I do think having kids um, and being a family really grounded me too in the work. So I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't just like, you know, kind of lose it. Like I had to keep my shit together. Yeah. Well, and I mean, perseverance clearly paid off as well because, you know, as your career has grown, so has your, you know, the ability to work in a little bit bigger kind of, you know, for bigger production companies. And, and so, you know, it's landed you sort of where you are now. And I really like, I want to spend some time on the film that is out now. Um, that's been, it was released very recently over the last few months on Netflix. And what's it called, Kevin? Don't, don't do this. To me. <laughs> Terry, can you, can you take that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's Kali Kuki. Yeah. And, um, I had, like I told Terry before we started, um, I had been putting it off cause I wanted to be able to not fall asleep. Cause I'm like, I'm always like, I have these high aspirations and then I'm, you know, I get up at six in the morning. So there's only, I only have a certain limit <laughs> on what I can kind of like, you know, get through in any evening. And I'm really glad I waited actually because it's fresh and, you know, I'm not a film critic. I am a film lover and I think, and I love horror films. I've loved them since I was a child. So that film touched that part of me, but there's also an incredibly and truly like ingrained social message in the film. Mm. Um, And I think especially given what's going on right now in India, it even resonates more. Um, and I've seen some of your posts on social media and you talked about it at the beginning. I mean, the biggest protest by workers in the history of the world is going on right now. Um, along with a, you know, a government that's trying to really repress certain religions that don't fit into what they think should be part of the culture there. And, you know, and then here's this film that comes out to- in a very timely, you know, kind of manner. And I'm not even sure you could have picked a better time for it to come out, really, given the underlying social message. So I just want to hear from you about the process on this. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to sit here and like, you know, give, <laughs> give you accolades till the end of the show, but I, fucking loved it and I'm not going to deny it. And we're going to, I'm going to do a ton of posting about it over the next few days because you're on the show now. And it just was, it really just, it got me. And I was like, I can't believe this is my lifelong friend that made this movie. Holy shit. Oh my God, Kevin, you've got me so hyped. So I, I haven't you've seen gotta it yet, watch it. My wife loves horror movies. So now yeah. I watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah. And do yourself I, a favor and don't oh, watch this. We're going to watch it tonight. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Hey, so. oh, thanks, Kevin. So, I'm, so honestly, how did this come about? Tell us how this came about. I mean, it's it's just a great story, too. Um, how it came about, I mean, I had been, you know, Walter and I were both um, collaborative partners, co-writers, and, and I do, we do write on our own with other people, but we'd been writing for a while, and um, I'd had some projects that were out, and I knew that those projects would be difficult to finance because they were like, you know, and I don't think about money when I'm writing, but it was like, 
oh, you want to make a film in London in 1976? Like, good luck. It's going to be $20 million. (laughs) And you want, like, every awesome punk rock song? Like, it's not going to happen. And I just knew I needed to tone it down. And then I had, you know, I knew that I was going to go back to India at some point, especially in my village, and make a feature. I mean, I have tons of stories that are set there. And we had already been writing a number of things. Um, But, um, you know, I grew up with my mom and my aunts and, uh, you know, the elders in my family. Just I grew up with these ghost stories and these superstitions. And then, um, you know, the way that Punjab is shown is always, like, really colorful and lively. And there's this, like, kind of Bollywood, you know, broad brush of, like, uh, people are treated like the characters and I just mm-hmm. was not interested in that. And, and so I think I took my, my, my interest in fairy tales and um, the kind of horror that I like, which is, you know, I love like Guillermo del Toro's work and I love um, let the right one in and oh, you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of, yeah. You know, just a lot of things that, you know, I w- try to watch a lot of, I mean, you have to seek them out, but stuff from Central America and um, Asia and uh, Korea and stuff. And, and then I, I knew that I wanted to tell a ghost story in my village. And then of course, you know, I'm addressing but women and girls are pretty much always just um, naturally like front and center in my work. It's rooted in that. And then I wanted to address patriarchy and gender violence from a very personal lens, like within my own family, um, you know, all the women in my family, all the things that have happened throughout the years, generational things, things with my ancestors and grandmothers and mussies and aunts and mother and stuff. So, um, so I think it all just came together. Now we actually were not going to make the film. It, It was never intended to be made with Netflix. I mean, that was just like a beautiful thing that evolved, but, um, when Walter and I wrote the the film, I mean, I was literally planning to go to India and make it on our own with like, I mean, obviously with a producer, but like a small chunk of money and see what we could do on our own with a very small group. And then um, I went and had a cup of coffee with a friend at Netflix and she was like, what are you working on? And she's like, Oh, can I read that? And then she kind of took it under her wing but Netflix was shifting and then the, the project went through the Sundance women's financing lab. And, and then we got this awesome on the ground producer in India, a woman, Anku Pandey, who became our producer and she took it to Netflix in India. And then this awesome executive who's there, she's the head of development who's also a woman loved it. So it just kind of evolved from there. And then they asked me to do a test for it. Um, because it was my first feature and they just wanted to kind of have a sense. And I had already had like a pitch deck and book book and all that stuff. I mean, the thing is like at all along the way, it was like people, if somebody said, no, I didn't care. Like that train was moving. I was going to go make it anyways. Mm -hmm. So whoever wanted to come on board. Great. If not, see you later. Like we're still going to have a relationship. Maybe we'll work together on the next project. It's just not a good fit. When you do a test, is that like full on fly to India and do a small scene or what is a test? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, my producers and production company, like they basically said, yes, let's do a test because even if Netflix for whatever reason, doesn't green light it, we'll have that test. It's just totally. a small investment and we'll take that test and we'll go to other places. And we had also never met in person, me and the producers. So it was an opportunity for us to meet. And then also we cast out of that, like the, our lead um, young girl, Riva Aurora, she was the actress for the test. So we just, you know, formed this wonderful relationship and I knew right away oh, that cool. she was going to be, you know, we would get our feature greenlit. That she did. You get the caller and say, "Hey, by the way, you're going to be in the real movie." And like, did- yeah, the producer, yeah, the producers. And then when I when I went back to India, yeah, she's so awesome. And you know, she's like, great she cut, in the film. She cut her hair for me. She had this long hair. I was like, I really want to cut the 
Which gets um, a mention in the film. I mean, it's kind of cool because you you actually wrap that into the script because the mm-hmm. the the auntie mentions it, and when they get to the village, I don't want to break the. I don't, I certainly don't want to do any spoilers. Like, yeah, what are you doing, man? Don't go watch this movie <laughs> if you like horror films and you care about anything socially minded. You got to see it. I mean, there's no. It's like it's a it's a no brainer. It's sold. Yeah. Well, I you're love that you say that, you know, you're a you're a horror fan and you like it because there has been some stuff where I think people have these very fossilized notions of what horror is, you know, mm. and in certain ways, like we really intentionally subverted the genre. Like it's a ghost story. It's surreal. It's a little bit slower. It's like an art house film. Mm-hmm. And I'm not working with the same tropes that are like it's not it's not soft. Well, I don't, I mean, I'm not like it when I say horror, I mean more of like the old school horror films that did move slower and that where the surprises were actually like, you know, it was like you catch your breath a little bit, not like feeling like I have to turn my head away from the screen because someone's being tortured in an unbelievably horrid fashion. I don't really consider that horror. I consider that more of like a, uh, you know, like a circus sideshow in some ways. Like I'm, you know, like really true, like, you know, like, holy shit, like shit you're going to have like bad dreams about. I don't have bad dreams about fake blood, generally speaking. I have bad dreams about ghosts and like spirits, you know, visiting me and shit I've done in the past coming back to haunt me. So it fits my personal preference in the horror genre, which is more like folksy, like stuff you're going to hear about. If you talk to any culture around the world, every single culture has amazing ghost stories, right? This particular ghost story, though, is like, it makes you kind of go, oh, shit. There's still, like, this incredibly, like, like dominant, like, sexist, gender role-based, like, societies going on, including our own, but, like, that are so out in the open. And then you, you add in, like, the spirits of the past coming in to haunt people. And it's like, holy, this could actually happen. You know, that's why it seems more real. Totally. So um, after, after the film launched, I started getting messages from people, just like messages from people I didn't know. And um, there was a woman who's a writer and she said that when she was a little girl, when she was six, her daddy, her grandmother became blind. And um, she said, she remembers when they would stay with her, she would have nightmares at night and she would like wander the halls and then she passed away and she asked, when she got older, she asked her mom, she was like, what, what was happening with her? And her mom said that she felt like she was being haunted by girls oh, and things she had done in the past. And she, she sent me some of her writing and I have, I have other stories like that of people who've messaged me. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Just watch it, Joshua. You and, and you got to give me credit too, that I highly recommended it. So when your wife likes it, she's. <laughs> well, we also had the creator on our show tonight. Maybe yeah. that's also why we're watching it. <laughs> I want all the credit. Um, but so, so you you got to do this film. It worked out in a way that was like incredible. I mean, come on, like the stars aligned here. You you ended up like talking to Netflix and then kind of like coming in to Netflix on the other side in India rather than just going through the people you knew here too. Like, but you had advocates already and. You know, I mean, I just think it's like, it's such a compelling story in so many ways. And um, so I guess my question is like, when you, you wrap the film, it's now up, you've been doing a lot, a fair amount of media for it as well. How how much harder is it though, without the film festivals to sort of get your, your oh, name yeah. and your film out there? You know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, we always intended to premiere at a film festival. So I was a little bit sad about that. But then another thing is like, You know, sometimes with film festivals, they can be very exclusive, like who goes to film festivals. And, you know, the thing with with launching on a platform like Netflix, I mean, it just so many people watched it. It was like number three for a week or something like that in India and some number in Pakistan. But also, you know, I wasn't I mean, in, in in like just honesty, I wasn't prepared for that. So if there was like, you know, you're you're met with a million people. And I also got DMs from people that were so weird that were just like, 
you know, I'd like to share my opinion with you. And it's like, everybody's a film critic. Everybody's a film critic. And I, you know, things that were like, it didn't make any sense. How did you handle that? that I really that? liked the issue, but it shouldn't have been a horror film. I, you know, you just, you're like, I don't know. You know, there was like definitely a few days where I was like, wow, I don't know what this is. I've never mm-hmm. experienced this before <laughs> because, you know, when you're at a film festival and your film plays and you're in a community and there's a theater, there's like this beautiful buzz that happens. Mm-hmm. And you're also kind of protected just initially by even the program is selecting it and stuff. But, and you know, for me, it was like, no, Terry, you got to roll with this. Like this is, this is what happens when you, you know, this is, this is like moving into the professional space where you put your work out there and it doesn't belong to you. You make mm-hmm. it and then you give it to the world and they make what they will of it. And you're going to have, you're going to have your fans and you're going to have your haters. And actually that's a really cool thing, you know, but it takes time to settle into that and understand that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the 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 haters part of it, it's still eyes on your film because they not only did they take the time to watch it, they took the time to oh, DM yeah. you. That's Kevin's whole thing is like he tries to instigate people on Facebook yeah. because it boosts our ad. Hey, man, <laughs> troll, troll. I'm, my personal tagline: trolling trolls since forever, man. That's my that's my that's my life right there. I don't. Well, you know what else? So, um, <laughs> if you look at some of like you know, like these IMDb reviews and you're like, oh, I see what's going on because there's people that are like jihadi filmmakers or they'll say like, you know, because we have Shabana Azmi and Shabana Azmi, you know, for like pro Modi, pro, you know, there's, there's this whole, you know, India is so, div- in so many ways, like there's just a lot of kind of fascist conservative shit going on there and it's really heartbreaking but um yeah there is trolling because siobhan is in the film and then you're like oh okay your opinion doesn't matter like you literally just like showed your colors and so Mm -hmm. you're right i guess like it just boosts you're like oh but you watched the film (laughs) yeah you had to watch the film to know that thing that you mentioned so exactly you still you still win with that because it's a view right i mean i i don't know i joshua and i have differing feelings about going after trolls too and i i will say that i got into something um which is interesting. Like, I, I guess this is coming up for me and I'm remembering it because I'm watching all the stuff going on in India and we're, we're getting our filtered version, obviously here in the, in, in the U S. Um, but you know, the kind of the fascistic, you know, regime that's kind of, that's taken over over there and they're really doing their best to kind of exclude Muslims from every part of the society. Um, you know, I got into a thing with a guy that was a Holocaust denier on, on, um, Instagram and, I, th- I the the good news is the guy that was whose post it was ended up shutting down the comments and basically deleting everything because and, and right when he did it I had this realization of like I'm instigating a guy who could come want to kill me and my family like for real you know and that's like the stuff shouldn't be taken lightly and I know that I I joke about it on here and but you know, some trolls are like, not just internet trolls, there's crazy shit that happens out there. And, you know, but I, I will say, you know, most of them are harmless. Um, and, but the fact that you're getting people to have a visceral reaction to your work, regardless, is a great achievement for any artist. I mean, it really is. And the fact that well, they would I even just pop- don't feed them, you know, yeah. I don't react sure. at all, because yeah, yeah. It's just like, I don't have time for that. And I have, I've made time for just, there's been so, I mean, especially like lots of young women have reached out to me and we've had so many beautiful conversations. And there's these two young Punjabi um, filmmakers in London who like asked me to be a mentor. So it's like, that's what I'm interested in. And I'm, you know, it's like, I have so much work I want to do. And this film was you know made for my community. Like there's, there's, you know, nuanced, layered Punjabi things in there that I don't explain intentionally. It's for the culture. And, um, and so just all that other stuff. And you know what's really interesting, Kevin, talking about trolls? It's also like a form of negging. So there's this young guy, 
And actually, I'm going to just block him today. So initially, he said to me, I want to give you a bunch of advice. And he like wrote Ooh. this thing. And it was like, you oh. know, it was. Can I see I'm already then, out. <sighs> yeah, already out. Right. But then yeah. I just like, I think I forgot about deleting it or whatever. And then three times now he's messaged me to collaborate mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. send me ideas. So it's just like a form of wanting some sort of acknowledgement and connection and this like negging thing. So it's like, I just don't, you just cannot yeah. give it any mind. And I forgot there's like this artist, I forget what he says, but he's like, you know, if I didn't have my haters, I really wouldn't. Yeah. Who I am. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, but uh, you know, I, I, it's sort of an inherent thing for me. I've been doing it since way back when you first met me. I mean, we, <laughs> we would have full on arguments during our shows when I was in engage and siren with, with audience oh, members. Totally. Yeah. You know what I mean? And listen, and I love debating. I totally yeah. get it. <laughs> it's different though. When people are like in full flight from reality and you know, I, that's where I feel that the problem is with people like Holocaust deniers. And I use the word deniers very purposely because they call themselves revisionists and they hate being called deniers. And so I purposely use that term over and over again in this argument. I kept saying, okay, denier, okay, denier. And it, but it's like the reality of it is I think the, your path and the way Joshua has handled this as well by not even engaging on social media is the, 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 <laughs> but that wasn't, that's cause like, I'm too sent. Like I couldn't handle it. Like I was, it, I, I was too sensitive. Like I just, had but it encourages better mental health. If I'm being yeah, honest, yeah, like, yes, you it, know, did. Yeah, it certainly just, did. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I can say all I want and defend myself for like, you know, kind of, you know, fronting these guys off. But the fact of the matter is they front themselves off by their idiotic posts. I don't need to say anything about it. And, but you know, sometimes I just can't help myself. Deplatforming is my thing. I mean, Kevin, like when you were having conversations with people, like at shows, like with Engage and Siren, those are in person. Those are people who come to the show. I just feel like, you know, cause I, I love debate. I was actually in debate and Molly UN when I was in high school. Like that's how much I love debating. Like I was like in those clubs and we would travel and just, it's so fun, but I don't actually feel like you can have really interesting, nuanced, constructive conversations where you're listening back and forth and building on that. Right. I think it's important, but I don't know where that's existing right now. It's well, it's not online. I mean, that's, that's no, that's no joke. I think people are hopefully having it in their, in their kitchens and, you know, at their dinner tables, you know, and I think one of the things, I mean, we talk about stuff at home all the time now and it's a very different, you know, it's obviously a very different point in my life, but there's definitely things that I disagree with my immediate family on my wife and, and we live in a extended family household. We have another piece of, we have a, a, another unit on our property and her mom lives there. So we're, we're not always in agreement on everything politically, but it's, it's great to have those conversations and they are like way smarter than me. So I get to learn a lot, you know, um, one thing I want to acknowledge and we have obviously an incredibly long history and have been sort of in and out of each other's lives, uh, on and off for, you know, going on 30 years, which is incredible. And, um, so I just want to say scenery and, uh, Terry scenery sister, uh, also worked on, on crystal show. Uh, and I think still does on the music, part of it right um, um i'm not sure about second season i don't know what's happening okay second season, but yeah, yeah i just seem really loved working on that well i mean it's really interesting that both of you ended up in 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 the in the film industry you know and obviously scenery's got she she does she does music for for shows and she's got incredible taste in music i mean she's she always has <laughs> she was always a little ahead of all of us even though she was quite a bit younger um oh, yeah. but scenery and and terry were one of the few friends of mine that came actually in person to visit me when I was incarcerated. And, Mm. um, you know, I, we've talked about it a little bit and, but you know, from me to you on the show and I I've had, it's been an emotional few shows with my dad passing. And then we talked about a local kind of who I consider a a folk hero in San Francisco passing away a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I just, you know, uh, from on a personal note, like I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Like to have a little bit of, of support. And that was like literally the darkest time of my life. Like without, I, I, there's nothing that even compares to it. Being, being in a place where you cannot leave and having 
essentially the state and the county decide what your fate is going to be. Is it true? Is it, it, it's frightening in a way that I can't really describe to people that haven't been through that specific thing, but many people have been through similar circumstances. We put ourselves into prisons all the time, you know, but like having the two of you come and, and be part of that sort of like moment in my life where I felt like I was really waking up to like the damage I had done to people. And, but still having, you know, you, you two came, Joe came, Davina came, obviously my parents, but that was pretty much it, you know? And I, I was really embarrassed to be there, but you know, I just like, the kindness that you've always shown to me and your community is truly heartwarming. And I think that your way of making films really shows what kind of like your metal, like it shows what kind of person you truly are. You're bringing people in that are desperate for something and trying to find something in their lives for, that have meaning. And I think all of those things, like the story that you told about the short and having all these young people around and now what you're talking about with these women in London that want to, you know, that want to grow into filmmakers and are like doing it um, is true. Like that to me is art. That to me is punk rock. That to me is community. And I, I just like with all that stuff and hearing a lot of this, this is the first time I've heard a lot of these stories, even though we've known each other a long time. I, I just want to commend you on that. I know it's hard to hear like accolades, especially, you know, when we're doing this very publicly, but like, you know, take a, take a, breathe that in a little bit. Enjoy that. Cause it's, it's really, truly Terry. Like it's so heartwarming. And I, I could, Josh and I always have these moments in the show where we're like, Oh yes. You know, and it's like, we got that moment. And when you were describing working with these young people, it was like, I felt like, like, Oh my God, I got that moment. And it helps me carry on my, you know, like when I'm done here, my son wants me to dress up as Santa Claus. So, (laughs) um, I hate that we're coming up on time soon because it's like, another thing about the show, just to talk about the show for a second is I hate doing it. Like I hate doing it. And I'm always like, fuck, it's time to do it. And then we have a show like this and hearing stories like that, and it is, it's just, yeah, this is why this is, it makes it you totally know, worse. Kevin, I, I, you wrote to me. I still have your letter. Oh, what? Yeah, I kept that. I mean, it was really a privilege for me and scenery to come and visit you. I clearly, you know, I have this, um, I have a very visual memory. I totally remember your cute little matching outfit. This <laughs> sweatsuit. I remember visiting you and it was really a privilege and. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry that you um, felt embarrassed because I never, you know, I just felt like, well, Kevin's having a little chapter in his life. He's going through a growth spurt. I was having <laughs> I mean, a chapter. <laughs> like to see, you know, you and um, I don't know, you know, I just am so deeply connected to you. And I think that I really, you know, I think that all of us, um, our little group that we formed from very young age have always shown um, a lot of empathy and compassion. Like I just even remember very specific things like eye contact and just being open to communicating because, you know, I mean, of course, like I've always been in these kind of like punk rock circles and skater circles and stuff, but there was something very special about what all of us were doing. And I think that empathy, that empathy and compassion was always there. And I mean, I learned, I learned a lot of that from you and from Davina. You guys really, you know, um, kind of set a core foundation around that. Yeah. Anyways, well, I, I, mean, I, I feel very lucky that, scenery and I got to see you. That was really special. It was special for me too. I'm not, I wasn't embarrassed when you, when you all came, I was just, you you know, it was generally like, Oh my God, especially when I first got there and I was so skinny and just such a mess. It was like, Oh, but, um, you came later when I was, yeah, you, you did show up a little bit after I got into programming in jail too, which was super helpful for my mental state. Um, So tell us what is next. I mean, you've got, you've got your, you've got. Oh, oh, I know what's next. The sequel and the sequel, you go back to the farm in Nebraska and (laughs) and you hire local, local kids there. And it's like a, it's like a white ghost story. Oh yeah. No, I do want to go. I want to go back to my, my family's farm in Missouri. I'm in touch with my dad's really sick right now. So I'm um, even more so in touch Mm. with my family there, but what's next, you know, I don't know because this whole, you know, COVID situation, um, it's just, 
you know, I don't know what's happening with productions, but we have mm. been able to write. So we're writing a new project and, you know, um, I have a great agent and she's out with a couple of my projects and there's a couple of things, but you know, the thing is like nothing is anything until it's right. something you've got your contract signed, you've got money. Hurry up and set. wait. Yeah. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. Right. So like basically right now I'm, in fifth grade, Yamna's in fifth grade. She's at home. So I'm just like, you know, those are my days. And then I'm trying to write every day. We're trying to finish, you know, we try to write a script a year. So at least, so we've got a um, deadline for the end of the month. And then, I don't know, I'm just trying to keep my head together. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's what's happening. Yeah, how's your daughter hanging with the, with the work school from home stuff? She's doing okay. Um, I mean, she's a really social kid and she had a pretty busy life. Um, she was, she's been doing this volunteer, uh, program at this barn where she works with horses and, uh, and so last week they shut that down and then, you know, she still does her, she's a classically trained, um, Indian dancer and she's been doing that for seven years now. And they've been doing online classes, which is really difficult because it's such a specific dance form. So she has, she's Mm -hmm. doing like a zoom class. Um, but you know, what's really interesting about her is she, um, she has done a lot of things where she has, uh, she's going through kind of like a new renaissance of drawing. It's like, she's almost self-taught. She's found these videos where she's learning art and drawing in a different way on her own. And I've, I've realized that she's, you know, kind of learning how to self cope. Like she's not so dependent on me, you know? Yeah. That, that makes sense. And, you know, I mean, she's an absolutely stunningly beautiful child too. And it's just like amazing the photos and watching her kind of interact. Um, especially when, when she has the opportunity to be with Kaylee as well, it's really amazing their connection. Oh um, yeah. They're I so feel cool. really lucky that I get to see and talk to him now. Cause he's up here, you know, like I'll call Joe cause Joe and I talk all the time. I'll call him and be like, you know, Kaylee's in the background shouting. Hey God, you know, it's just so great. Like, I'm, you know, Oh my God, I've been trying to get Kaylee to come back and live with me, but he's pretty determined to be up there. Like, you know, it's funny. Yamada is also like, can we move back to Santa Rosa? They're just like, they both are yeah. just love Santa Rosa. It's a, it's but a pretty you know, unique place. It is. It's so special. And my mom's still there. And of course, Lila, who's like my sister is there. So we try to go all the time. And you know, like, yeah, I'm going to skateboarding. So we do have a skate park near our house that nobody goes to. So we, She's able to, you know, kind of get out a little bit, but man, we just like are in this new kind of lockdown. I'm so over it. Us too. Well, send some video so I can forward it to Crystal. Maybe she'll put her in skate in in the, uh, in the Betty show. (laughs) Oh my God. You know what? She looks like, um, oh my gosh. And we follow her. We watch her because Yamana watches her skate videos. The woman with the long hair. Oh yeah. 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 She does. It's totally true. Well, Terry, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Like this has been incredibly inspired. And like, I, I, like I said, it was so nice to hear the stories firsthand um, and kind of delight in them for the first time as well as like, because it's so different watching on social media, how things play out. Um, And I just want to like say thank you for working with, you know, getting women into film, you know, it's uh, like, we need it. We need everybody to be telling their stories and, you know, and the only way to really do that is to tell them. And so having people come out of their shell and and do it is just such an amazing thing. And, you know, I cannot recommend your new film enough. I just think everybody should watch it. Hopefully Joshua will watch it tonight. Um, I'm watching it tonight. Everyone's going to watch it. Everyone who listens to this is going to watch it. Are you kidding me? It's, it's Kali Kuhi on Netflix. And just so people know, we'll put the spelling up on our, on all of our socials so that you oh, can yeah, find yeah. it really easily. Um, and it's not, it's not gross or we'll put a link right, well right to Netflix. So you yeah. can just click <laughs> go right to Netflix and watch. There's it. so much right. more I want to talk about, but uh, you know, you obviously. Can put it in your queue too. Like if you can't watch it now. Okay. One thing I should say, if you're able to, I mean, if you're not able to, I understand, but if you're able to, so for some reason, the default in the U S sometimes goes to an English dub. No. Also, if you're listening, we've I forbid you from watching it with an English dub. Actually, yes. any anything with an English dub. Yeah. Just 
Dana, but for you, some reason, that that has been defaulting a lot for people. Okay. Mine came well. I have my my. I'm set for subtitles. So, in fact, let me take it a step further. If you watch this movie with an English dub, you can unfriend us and stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to do the Facebook. We don't even want you. Now, we don't even want you. Now on, you can just unfriend me. You know. So, um, no. But it's it's really truly amazing. And hearing the story of how it was made it makes it even more amazing. And so, and, uh, oh. Well, we we have a few admin things that we have to announce at the end of every show because we give our Patreon money to Hospitality House San Francisco, who helps individuals that are suffering with mental uh, mental health issues, um, as well as substance abuse issues, get things like art therapy. So they do art therapy and music therapy. They also have a shelter in San Francisco. They've been around for almost 50 years. Um, and they are just a truly grassroots organization where they use peer-based counseling. So we love them and we give them as much money as we can. Um, and so Terry will also post all of your links to your, to your other movies and your, your actual, uh, website. Um, and your social media so people can follow you and we will implore them not to troll you. Um, well, it'd be nice to connect with them too. Yep, exactly. And so um, we really appreciate it. And what a great hour. What yeah, a fantastic hour. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you. It was really nice. And we could, we could chat for much longer. Yeah. We definitely could. And uh, maybe we will again someday. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>